Let the redeemed of the Lord say so and don't be so-so in your faith, okay? You may be seated. Pueden sentarse. Somos los redimidos del Señor y no queremos ser pues tibios en nuestra fe. Welcome to Sunrise this morning. I am so glad to see you, to look out on this sea of faces and to see uh, some I know and some maybe I haven't met yet. So I hope we'll get a chance to do that. Uh, bienvenidos a todos a la Iglesia Amanecer. Comunidad Amanecer, it is a beautiful Sunday. We have been blessed in so many ways. The heat is coming and so is the water. God's giving us everything at once this year, and that's a good thing. And we want to pray for those affected by all that water that's going to be coming. We have beautiful children in our midst. We are so grateful for them. And uh, we want them to grow in their faith, to know Jesus, to follow him, to love him. So boys and girls, we're sending you out right now for... Children in worship time, that's for children three years of age up to fifth grade. Es el tiempo de niños en adoración para los niños de tres años hasta quinto grado. Papás pueden seguir a sus hijos allá para ver dónde van a estar. You are welcome, parents, if you're here for the first time, to follow those children out and to see where they will be. They will be in great hands. And the rest of us are going to be looking into the Bible. This is our focus. This is where God speaks to us in such clear and powerful terms. We're in the middle of a series. We've started a series on cultivating faith-filled obedience. Estamos en una serie de cultivar la obediencia llena de fe. And our scripture today is going to be taken from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 4. We'll be reading the first 11 verses, Mateo 4, versículos 1 al 11. We have Bibles in the back. You can use a phone application. You can follow along on the screen. There's a page number two to help you find it uh, using those uh, Bibles in the back. If you don't have a Bible and you need a Bible, take one of those Bibles home with you. It's yours. Uh, si necesitan una Biblia, hay Biblias detrás. Y si no tiene Biblia en casa, pues llévense una Biblia uh, para, para su propia Biblia. So I'm going to read first in English, then we'll read it in Spanish. Voy a leer primero en inglés y después en español. This is the good news. The good news of our Lord, las buenas noticias del Señor. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Luego el Espíritu llevó a Jesús al desierto para que el diablo lo sometiera a tentación. Después de ayunar cuarenta días y cuarenta noches, tuvo hambre. El tentador se le acercó y le, se le, y le propuso... Si eres el Hijo de Dios, ordenas a estas piedras que se conviertan en pan. Jesús le respondió, escrito está, 
no solo de pan vive el hombre, sino de toda palabra que sale de la boca de Dios. Luego el diablo lo llevó a la ciudad santa e hizo que se pusiera de pie sobre la parte más alta del templo y le dijo, si eres el hijo de Dios, tírate abajo, porque escrito está, ordenará que sus ángeles te sostengan en sus manos para que no tropieces con piedra alguna. También está escrito, no pongas a prueba al Señor tu Dios, le contestó Jesús. De nuevo lo tentó el diablo llevándolo a una montaña muy alta y le mostró todos los reinos del mundo y su esplendor. Todo esto te daré si te postras y me adoras. Vete Satanás, le dijo Jesús, porque escrito está, adora al Señor tu Dios y sírvele solamente a él. Entonces el diablo lo dejó y unos ángeles acudieron a servirle. So believe it or not, it was 13 years ago this very week. Hace 13 años esta semana. 13 years ago this week, there was a natural gas explosion on an oil drilling rig off the coast of Louisiana. Hubo una explosión en una plataforma petrolera cerca de la costa de Louisiana. When that burning platform exploded, it killed 11 people, 11 workers. 11 obreros fueron matados. And after a couple of days, that platform sank into the water. And when it did, it ruptured a pipe below, and it sent a crude, toxic oil just spilling into the Gulf of Mexico. Cuando se hundió la plataforma, se rompió una tubería y hubo un derrame uh, de, de, de petróleo crudo Toxico. For the next three months, that came out. And for three months, an estimated 4.9 billion barrels, barrels of oil spilled into the water. Durante tres meses hubo un derrame de 4.9 mil millones de barriles de petróleo. It damaged 600 miles of coastland. Fueron dañadas unas 600 millas de playa. And killed untold quantities of sea life and birds. Se mataron cantidades de vida marina y de aves. It was one of the worst environmental disasters in history. Era entre los peores desastres del medio ambiente de toda la historia. We know it as the BP oil spill or perhaps the Deep Horizon oil spill. Es la marea negra de BP. Now, in order to contain that pollution that came out, this oil spill, engineers had to get to the source. They had to go down to the sea floor and they had to cap off that flow of oil. Los ingenieros, para, para, para eh, limpiar esto, tuvieron que llegar a la fuente y cortar el flujo de petróleo. They had to get all the way down. That's why it took three months. It was hard. They had to get down there. Por eso duró tres meses. But let me ask a question. What would have happened if the experts decided not to do that? What would have happened if they had simply said, you know what, we're just going to focus on the cleanup. We're just going to clean up the, the gobs and the, the clumps of oil and tar washing up on the shore, and we'll just take care of that and make everything pretty. ¿Qué hubiera pasado si habrían solamente limpiado los grumos de petróleo en la cosa? What would have happened there? Well, obviously the answer is nothing would have changed The whole thing would have continued and it would have gotten worse. Habría sido mucho peor, ¿verdad? Now, there's an author out there by the name of Scott Thomas. 
And, and he makes a connection, a connection between that BP oil spill and the way that often we try to deal with sin in our lives. Un autor Scott Thomas hace una conexión entre ese derrame y cómo tratamos con el pecado. And he asks this question. He says, what if we only focus on the outward sins? What if we only focus, in a sense, on containing the, you know, the environmental disaster of our bad choices and our sins against God? ¿Qué pasa si solo nos concentramos en los pecados externos, en, 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 en el desastre, la contaminación ambiental de nuestros pecados? What, what would that be like if we just, you know, try to cut off doing bad stuff? Well, he says, it doesn't solve the problem. No llega a la raíz del problema. I mean, it's like cleaning up balls of oil and tar on the beach. It's not enough. We may look better on the outside, and some of us are really good at that. Church people are really good at that, right? We know how to clean up the outside spill. It might look better on the outside, but on the inside, in our hearts, we are still gushing forth the slimy goo of our sinful desires. Por dentro estamos todavía derramando, brotando de deseos pecaminosos como petróleo. So it's not enough. So instead of, of settling for less, instead of just settling for, you know, uh, a little bit of tweaking of our behavior, some behavior modification, we need, in a sense, to learn how to settle for more. En vez de conformarnos con menos Debemos conformarnos con más. In other words, we need a total deep makeover. We need to get to the bottom of the problem. We need to get all the way down and be transformed. We need to cultivate faith-filled obedience. Hay que cultivar una obediencia llena de fe. And for that, we need Jesus. Oh boy, do we need Jesus. Hay que tener a Jesús. And today in the scripture we just read from Matthew chapter 4, we find Jesus here at an extremely critical juncture in his, in his earthly journey. Jesús está en un momento crítico, Mateo 4. I want to kind of give us the scene here. Now, just before Matthew chapter 4, we find Jesus experiencing the thrill of his baptism. It's a high point for him. Poco antes, en capítulo 3, él tiene su bautismo. Think about this. Jesus comes out of the water being baptized by John and the Holy Spirit comes upon him as a dove. God the Father thunders from heaven and says, this is the one. This is my beloved son and I am well pleased with him. Dios el Padre dice, ese es mi hijo amado. Estoy muy complacido con él y el Espíritu viene como una paloma sobre Jesús. It's a high point. And then just after this, After chapter 4, what happens? Really, it's the rest of Jesus' three-year ministry. He embarks on this incredible three years, choosing 12 disciples. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's preaching and teaching about the kingdom and the rule of God. And eventually, he's going to the cross where he's going to carry all the sins of the world and die and rise again from the dead. Después, él se embarca en su ministerio terrenal, escogiendo a los doce, sanando enfermos, esposando demonios enseñando el reino y muriendo la cruz but between those two points between his baptism and his incredible ministry 
we find ourselves in the desert. Entre esos dos puntos estamos en desierto. And Jesus faces a huge test. Una gran prueba. In Matthew 4, 1, it simply says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. El Espíritu llevó a Jesús al desierto para que el diablo lo sometiera a tentación. Now think about this with me for just a minute. I just realized this. Adam and Eve were tempted by the devil. Where? In a garden. Adán y Eva fueron tentados al diablo en un jardín. They didn't pass the test. They failed. So they were led where? They were led out into the desert of this world. Fueron llevados al desierto de este mundo. The people of Israel. The people of Israel were also tempted. They were tested where? In the desert on their way to a garden. They were on their way to this beautiful garden, this land flowing of milk and honey called the promised land. Israel, el pueblo, fue tentado en el desierto en camino a un jardín, la tierra prometida. Well, what happened to them? They failed as well. Fallaron también. And now here comes Jesus. And who is Jesus? Jesus is the new Adam. Jesus is the new Israel. Jesus is el nuevo Adán, el nuevo Israel. And, and if Jesus is going to succeed in God's plan to take sinners and bring them into the new creation, to bring them into that new garden of Eden that we talked about a couple weeks ago in Revelation, if he's going to succeed in that plan to bring sinners back to the garden free from sin, he is going to be tempted. Where? In the desert. And he cannot fail. Para que Jesús tenga éxito en el plan de Dios de llevarnos al nuevo Edén, el nuevo jardín de Edén, él tiene que ser tentado en el desierto y superar. And so he's led, get this, he's led by the Spirit to be tempted. Está llevado del Espíritu. And in the temptations that Jesus is facing here, we, we see not just three ways. I believe we see four ways in which Jesus faces the test and overcomes. Hay tres, no cuatro maneras en que Jesús enfrenta la tentación y supera. Now, there's an author by the name of Tim Chester, and he talks about this. And, and what he says is that basically in the temptations of Jesus here, we find that there are four idols and there are four lies that Jesus is tempted with. Jesús está tentado con cuatro ídolos y cuatro mentiras. And Jesus responds every time with obedience, but not just external obedience. He doesn't just do the right thing. He responds with faith-filled obedience. He responds from the heart with a faith in God. Jesús responde con una obediencia llena de fe. So I want to look at these four idols and these four lies because in the face of those, Jesus also is choosing to believe four mega-truths about God. Hay cuatro mega-verdades de Dios que Jesús cree. So let's take a look. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, we find the first one. Versículo 3, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. El tentador se le acercó y le propuso, si eres el Hijo de Dios, ordena que estas piedras se conviertan en pan. What's the idol here? Well, the idol is the idol of comfort. 
It's the idol of comfort. It's the idolo de la comodidad. In other words, it is putting comfort as supreme. It is making, in a sense, comfort your God. Es hacer de la comodidad tu Dios. And in a way, it's saying that I need to find comfort apart from God. I, there's a way to find comfort without God. In other words, there's a lie here. And the lie is that God can't be trusted to give you what you need. La mentira es que no se puede confiar en Dios para darte lo que necesitas. And so Jesus is tempted to find comfort in something that is less than God. Está tentado a encontrar algo, eh, comodidad en algo menos que Dios. In what? In stones that become bread. En piedras convertidas en pan. But Jesus confronts that idol and he confronts that lie in chapter 4, verse 4. He says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Escrito está, dice Jesús, no solo de pan vive el hombre, sino de toda palabra que sale de la boca de Dios. What's the mega truth here? The mega truth is God is good. And God is completely able and willing to take care of our greatest needs. Dios va a suplir nuestras necesidades. Bread can feed you for a little bit, but the word of God can sustain you forever. El pan te da una comida, la palabra de Dios te sostiene para siempre. Sin, in this case, is settling for something less than God. El pecado es conformarnos con algo menos que Dios. And Jesus refuses to do that. Jesús se niega a hacer eso. And then we find the second idol and the second lie in verses 5 and 6. Versículos 5 y 6. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their Hands. El diablo lo llevó a la ciudad santa e hizo que se pusiera de pie sobre la parte más alta del templo. Le dijo, si eres el hijo de Dios, tírate abajo porque escrito está, ordenará que sus ángeles te sostengan en sus manos. Uh, uh, now, Tim Chester says, and I, I had to think about this, but I agree. The idol here is the idol of security. El ídolo es el ídolo de la seguridad. The real temptation here is not for Jesus to be a daredevil. The real temptation is not for Jesus to do the dangerous thing and to risk himself by throwing himself off. La verdadera tentación no es de que Jesús se arriesgara. The real temptation here is for Jesus to carry out a plan to guarantee his safety with something less than God by asking the angels to save him. La mentira es que Jesús está tentado a llevar a cabo un plan para que los ángeles y no Dios lo salven. The lie is this. God cannot be trusted to take care of you. To keep you safe. No se puede confiar en Dios para que estés seguro. Think about what Jesus was facing. We talked about this earlier. In front of Jesus there were three Years of grueling ministry capped off by the tortuous death on the cross. 
Había tres años de ministerio enfrente, culminando con la muerte tortuosa de la cruz. How much easier would it be to just circumvent all that, avoid all that, and throw himself down and let the angels sweep him away to glory, take him away to safety, far away from all that stuff that was in front of him. Que más fácil sería tirarse abajo para que los ángeles lo llevaran a la gloria. But Jesus opposes that lie in verse 7. Versículo 7, he says, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. También está escrito, dice Jesús, No pongas a prueba al Señor tu Dios. The mega truth that Jesus is holding on to, you could say, is the mega truth that God is sovereign. God is, that is, He's in control. Dios es soberano. And even though the way may be difficult, although God's way may not always be the easiest way, His way is the most secure way. His way is the way that will get you to the place where you need to be in the end. Su manera, su camino es el más seguro, aunque sea difícil camino. Jesus understood that. He understood, I, I don't need to be in control. I don't need to do it my way. My security is in God. I don't need to put him to the test. No tengo que poner a prueba a Dios. Él es mi seguridad. We go on to the third temptation, the third idol, of course, in verse 8 uh, and 9, versículos 8 y 9. The devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. El diablo lo llevó a una montaña muy alta, le mostró todos los reinos del mundo y su esplendor. Todo esto te daré si te postras y me adoras. The idol that's here is very clear. It's the idol of power. Aquí el ídolo del poder. And the lie behind the idol is you cannot trust God. God either can't or won't give you the results that you need. So you need to use your own strength to get the results you need. Dios no es fiable como para darte el resultado que necesitas, así que tú tienes que hacerlo. You need to do it in your own strength because God just may not come through. In verse 10, Jesus responds to that and he says, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Adora al Señor tu Dios y sírvele solamente a él, dice Jesús. Again, we have to think about what this represents. How Satan is tempting Jesus to settle for less. Satanás está tentando a Jesús a, a, a conformarse con menos. Jesus basically has two choices here. Worship God. Obey God, go to the cross, suffer and die, and you get to be king over a perfect creation, over a perfect world, the kingdom of God. Sigue a Dios, adora a Dios, muere en la cruz, morir en la cruz y después eres rey de todo, un mundo perfecto. Or you can shortcut that. You don't have to suffer. Just worship the devil. No tienes que sufrir, adora al diablo, but What kind of world would Jesus be the king of? ¿Qué tipo de mundo sería? He would be the king of a world that is rotten to the core. Completely chaotic evil. 
sinful forever and ever and ever and ever. No, Jesus resists the temptation to be, to be given less. Jesús resiste la tentación de ser rey de un mundo malvado y quebrantado. And the, the truth that he's affirming here is that God is almighty. And God can be trusted to do things perfectly, to bring about the perfect result that's needed. Dios es todopoderoso y podemos confiar en Él para traer el resultado que se necesita. So, those are the three temptations we find in here, but, but where's the fourth one? I said there were four, in a sense. Hay cuatro de un sentido. Well, the fourth one, you could say, is found in this one little phrase that, that the devil uses twice. Hay una frase, and that phrase is, if you are the Son of God. Si eres el Hijo de Dios, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Si eres Hijo de Dios, convierte estas piedras en pan. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. Si eres el Hijo de Dios, tírate abajo. What's the idol that's being offered in there? It's the idol of approval. Es el ídolo de la aprobación. The idol of approval and the lie there is that you have to prove who you are. You must do something or say something or perform something in order to be worthy of approval. Tienes que hacer algo, decir algo para recibir la aprobación. That's the temptation. Prove me you're the son of God. But remember when this just happened? Right after Jesus' baptism where the Father said to him very clearly, you are my beloved son. I'm pleased with you. Pero el Padre le había dicho en su bautismo, tú eres mi hijo, estoy muy complacido contigo. Jesus knew that he did not need to have the approval of the devil. He had the approval of his Father. Tenía la aprobación su padre. So the, the mega truth here that Jesus models for us and shows us is that my approval does not come from what I do. My identity does not come from whether I do something or not. It comes from what God has done. Mi aprobación viene de lo que ha hecho Dios. And in our case, our, our identity and our approval ultimately come from what Jesus Christ has done in perfectly obeying God and dying on the cross and rising from the dead. That's the identity that's offered to us if we would but trust in him and believe in him. Jesús murió, resucitó para, para salvarnos y esa es la aprobación que se nos ofrece. So every single circumstance, you see what the devil's doing and this is what he does with us. He's offering us less and dressing it up as if it's more. El diablo nos ofrece menos, pero como si fuera más. He offers Jesus stone and bread. He offers Jesus angels. He offers Jesus himself. All of it is less than God. Todo es menos que Dios. In Romans chapter 1 verse 25, we find uh, insight again into this, and I think another perspective on what sin is really all about. Romanos 1.25 nos habla de lo que es el pecado. This is talking about sinful humanity. Habla de la humanidad pecaminosa, and it says this. 
they, sinners, exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served creating, created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Cambiaron la verdad de Dios por la mentira, adorando y sirviendo a los seres creados antes que al Creador, quien es bendito por siempre. Amén. What is sin? Exchanging the truth of God for a lie. A lie that is far less than God. El pecado es cambiar la verdad de Dios por una mentira. And sin is worshiping created things instead of the creator. Es adorar a lo creado en vez de al creador. It's, it's settling for less. And so Jesus, by overcoming his temptation as the perfect son of God, he is showing us something about faith-filled obedience. Jesús al superar nos muestra que es la obediencia llena de fe. He's teaching us how to live, finding our ultimate comfort, our ultimate security, our ultimate strength, our ultimate identity and approval, not in created things, but in God alone. Jesús nos muestra cómo encontrar nuestra suprema comodidad, seguridad, fuerza, identidad solo en Dios. Cultivating faith-filled obedience is not about settling for less in the created things that tempt us, but it's about learning how to settle for more and to insist on nothing less than a connection and a trust of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's going after the Creator instead of the created things. Cultivar la obediencia de fe no es conformarnos con menos con lo creado, sino de conformarnos e insistir solamente en Dios. So that's really what we're setting up here. I want to ask you a question that I think we're going to stay with for the next three or four weeks, and this is the question. What are the idols you're tempted to believe or to worship? And what are the lies you're tempted to believe? What are the idols and the lies that you're tempted by? ¿Cuáles son los ídolos que estás tentado a adorar y las mentiras que estás tentado a creer? I think we all have our go-to idol. So, is it comfort at all costs? Es la comodidad. Is it security? Maybe it's security about behind the stuff that you own or what you've achieved. La seguridad. Is it that you are a control freak and you have to be in control of everything and make everything come out the way you want it? Es el control? Or maybe you're looking for approval at every turn, even from the people who don't like you. Right? O estás buscando la aprobación aún de los que no te quieren. I want to get us thinking about that today. And so, again, we're going to have a little card to send home with you. Uh, we'll have this at the door. But it basically lists these four idols in case you forget. And, uh, and then the idea is that you take this home and begin to think about it. Quiero que mediten en los ídolos y las mentiras que hemos hablado. And I'd like you to practice something we talked about last week, the gospel waltz. With those things. In other words, once you've identified an idol, the steps of the gospel waltz are repent, 
believe, obey. Repent, believe, obey. Hay que practicar el base del evangelio. Arrepiéntete, cree y obedece. Or, as we said last week, flee, faith, fight. Huye, ten fe, lucha. Flee. That means once you see what that idol might be in your life, you confess it to God. God, I am tempted to worship that idol, to worship comfort at all costs. And then you believe, uh, you exercise faith, después crees, I believe, Jesus, you are my only comfort in life and in death. And then you start fighting every day. It's a fight, right? A fight to believe this and to reject that. That's what we're talking about. Puedes después de confesar tu ídolo, decir, yo creo Jesús que tú eres mi comodidad, mi seguridad, etc. Y después lucha por mantener esa perspectiva. So this week I want you to do that because in the next four weeks, the next four messages in this series, we're going to take each one of those idols and we want to do a deeper dive on them and how that impacts our lives. Vamos a estar mirando estos ídolos cada semana y cómo nos impacta. So again, I want you to think, what's that one comfort, that one security blanket, that that one uh, identity marker, that one status symbol that you just can't live without? ¿Cuál es esa comodidad, seguridad, marcador de identidad o símbolo del estado que no, que no puedes dejar? And it's about letting that go, letting go of what it's less so you can embrace what's more. Following God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's good news for us. In John 7.38, Jesus puts it this way. Juan 7.38, he says... You find it here. John 7, verse 38. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. De aquel que cree en mí, como dice la Escritura, brotarán ríos de agua viva. Jesus says that there can be a flow within us of living water. A influir de agua viva en los que creen en él. As we flee the idols and confess him, what we're trying to do there is cap off that well of junk spewing out of our hearts that we might drink from the well of living water. Estamos intentando cortar el flujo del pecado en nuestra vida para tomar del agua viva en nuestra vida. So that's the, that's the uh, opportunity because this well will never leave us dry. It will always feed us with what is good, what is, what is secure, what is comfortable, what is our true identity, what is our true strength. So let's not settle for less. Let's learn by God's grace how we can settle for more. Vamos a aprender por la gracia de Dios de conformarnos con más. I want to pray for us in that. Vamos a orar. God, First of all, we are eternally grateful that you, Jesus, resisted the devil perfectly. We are eternally grateful that you passed the test where we failed. Estamos agradecidos, Jesús, que tú aprobaste y resististe resiste, eh, las tentaciones del diablo, que resististe eh, esas tentaciones por nosotros. 
And God, we also confess that we have a sinful tendency to want to worship what's less than God. Created things are so visible to us, so tangible, so real, and you sometimes seem so far. A veces lo creado lo adoramos porque parece tan cerca de nosotros. Lord, would you increase our faith? Would you help us to see beyond the immediate comforts and pleasures and, and awards and opportunities to understand you have a bigger plan for every single person? Tienes un plan más grande para cada persona. Ayúdanos a ver más allá de lo, lo, lo presente, Señor. We give ourselves to you. We want to cultivate that, that faith-filled obedience because that is where life is. Jesus, you are the living well of water, and you have promised if we drink of you, we will never go thirsty. Thank you. Gracias, Señor. Thank you for being our true comfort, our true security, our true power, our true identity. Gracias por ser nuestra verdadera comodidad, seguridad, identidad y fuerza. It's in your name we ask this and we all pray together and say, Amen.